So, Will. Yeah? The 80s. The 80s. It's a decade. It's a decade, several decades ago. More decades ago than you think. Almost four. I know. That's a lot of decades. It's a time of very distinct culture. For sure. Most notably, Back to the Future, subject of a future two-hour episode. One of which will be Will Solo. (laughs) Because at some point I'll get bored and leave. No, it's going to be great. All right. So, in the 80s, what was your favorite, like, 80s trope? Uh, I think it's the part where you build a time machine out of a DeLorean, and you use that to rocket 30 years into the past. I mean, that's kind of what this movie does. Yeah. It does rocket into the past. Exactly. While still being incredibly 80s. And there are cars involved. Kind of. They drive in one scene. A couple of scenes. They drive to the camp. They drive to the dance show. And they drive back. Do we see them drive to the show and back? We see them drive back. <laughs> All right. But there's another time they get in a car because there's a time he has to bust the window open. Yeah. That's the only time I can really think of. There are the several car, car rides in this the movie. The car being important. But I mean, like, what is your favorite, like, design trope or weird element of the 80s where if you see it in anything else, you're just like, wow, that's so 80s. Neon. Neon. That's a good it's choice. The best. Oh, my God. Not a lot of neon in this movie, but I guess it wasn't set in the 80s. It's not set in the 80s, and yet it's very 80s. It's very 80s, but that is disappointing how little neon there is. Yeah, the influence of Tron is not strong on this movie. No, it's really the big hair. That's the winner for me. That's what you like? It's a decade of the higher the hair to closer to God. (laughs) Like, the perm, some of the pictures of my mom from that era with her perm, I'm just like, Oh, man. The amount of work that that took. So I'm just envisioning, I haven't watched the show, but I'm fairly certain that he doesn't look like this in the TV show. But in the X-Men comic books, the character Legion has hair that just goes straight up off his head in like a foot tall flat top. Like the guy in Hey Arthur. Yeah, like the guy in Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. Oh, my God. Hey Arthur. Hey, Arthur. Show entirely. It's the crossover that the world has been waiting for. <laughs> yes. When will Arthur the Aardvark and Arnold the football head meet? It's gotta be soon. <laughs> it's a question we've all been asking. <laughs> I just... Hair was such a big part of the 80s, and I don't understand where it came from. Like, I don't know if we'll ever get to a phase where hair that big will be the thing again. Are you trying to tell me that you want hair like that yes what i'm trying to say is we need to bring back perms i mean you could be the first just let your hair start to grow out my hair would probably not take to a perm very well there's only one way to find out it is determined to lie straight no matter what happens you're not willing to try out bold fashion choices like imagine having the confidence to rock a puffy orange vest that looks like a life preserver but you're so cool that nobody cares oh my god and you still managed to get with Jennifer Parker, the coolest girl in town. This is why we only do movies in the 21st century, because any time in the past you bring up this goddamn movie, I don't even dislike this movie, I'm just sick of hearing about it. It's a masterpiece. Alright. Any other 80s tropes that you're a fan of? Theme songs written by Huey Lewis in the news? You well, know, I Huey really Lewis, I feel, gets this. a lot of the credit. Like, he's in the movie. I think the news is a little bit underrated. The news, honestly, is what gets us going as a society. Because you know what happened... White people invented rock and roll. I mean, yes, we all know Marvin Barry pulled out the phone and he called his cousin Chuck so that he could listen. He said, hey, Chuck, you know that new sound you've been trying to figure out? Listen to this. Ugh, that's so uncomfortable to watch nowadays. I mean, that runs through a lot of Zemeckis movies. I know. It's really weird. Zemeckis is a weirdo. Did you listen to the off-book episode about David Bowie? Maybe? I don't know. They're, like, singing about David Bowie in one of the songs. They're just like, David Bowie's immortal and witnessed the creation of all music, but we're not gonna say he invented all music because enough white people have gotten credit for inventing a genre that white people did not invent. And boy, did that not fit smoothly into lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) I also really enjoy watching everyone smoking just all the time. It's wild. really lasted into the 80s. Even to the point where, like, I was talking to some of my younger relatives recently about smoking sections in restaurants. Yeah. And that's a thing that was gone, at least where I lived, by the time I was 
like 10. Yeah, I remember. It was like definitely lasted into elementary school, but not that far beyond where yeah, there were smoking Smoking sections. has just plummeted as a society, which is a good thing. It's a good thing, but it disappeared really fast. From a period when previously it had been such a social phenomenon. Yeah, in the 80s, office movies even in nine to five i feel like everyone just has five cigarettes in their hand at once and even if you don't there are ashtrays everywhere yeah i took an airplane that still had ashtrays in each seat and Gross. i was like oh man this plane is old like cars used to come with an ashtray and like a place to put a cigarette down they still do usually they still come with cigarette lighters yes although these days they're not labeled that way they're just like no. this is an outlet you can plug yeah. in your phone charger this is a different kind of electricity for the car i think it runs on plutonium 1.21 gigawatts all right i think that's enough welcome to we love the love a hollywood romance podcast i'm mark and i'm gay and i'm will and i'm a ginger and this of course is a podcast where we delve deep i don't remember the line (laughs) don't cut this out will just forgot his whole bit he had to switch tabs to check it again I'm Will, and I'm a ginger, and this is an investigative podcast committed to digging into the most pressing, the most urgent issue of our day. Like, this is when you have to go to the bathroom, and like, you think you can hold it, but you're like, oh no, I can't hold it. I'm about to pee my pants right now. This question is that important, and we're going to answer it. We're going to let that release out. We're going to let it all flow. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Goodness, are any even likable. It doesn't matter if it's a main plot or just a one-seed flirtation. We're going to dig in and we'll see what's there. It's our duty. (laughs) And uh, we're not going to stop until we've found a conclusive answer. It doesn't work if you laugh at your own saying of the word duty. I'm still smiling. God, you're the worst. Why do I do this show? (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, this week we are looking at the 1987 dance movie phenomenon, Dirty Dancing. A movie that, while I was watching it, and there was a lot of dancing, I couldn't tell if it was considered dirty at the time, or if that's why they said it in the past, so that the dancing they did seemed dirty. Because it's not very dirty. No, I think the point is that it would have been considered dirty in 1963, when the story takes place. Right. It's worth noting, this movie is from a script written by Eleanor Bergstein, and it's based on a bunch of elements from her childhood. Really? She really went to camp in the Catskills during the summers. She participated in dirty dancing competitions. So unlike Baby, who is just coming into the dancing, Eleanor Bergstein came into the camps dancing and participating in these dirty dancing competitions. Yeah. Um, Her signature move was putting her leg around the neck of a guy she was dancing with. That's insane. It's wild. Um, She actually went by the nickname Baby herself until she was 22. And like Baby in the movie is named for Frances Perkins... Eleanor Bergstein is named for Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, that's cool. So there are a lot of elements where she's drawing from her life and her own experiences with this kind of dirty dancing scene. But also, Baby's not at camp. It is kind of a camp, but kind of not. I I think the one that Bergstein was going to was like this. Right. Because I've always heard about this in relationship to the idea of, like, Jewish summer camps. But it's a resort with activities. That is what it is. I was watching it, and I was just like... There's no camp here. I mean, there's Wayne Knight going around and (laughs) leading people in camp activities. Yeah, it's more like a cruise ship on land. (laughs) That's exactly what it is, the cruise ship on land. That is the level of performance and activities they do. Very much cruise ship style. Yeah. What's funny is this movie, the reason it kind of happened was because Bergstein had written the screenplay for a movie called It's My Turn, which was a rom-com starring Jill Clayburgh and Michael Douglas. And in her screenplay, there was this erotic dance scene. And she really liked it. She felt like she was pulling on her experience. And then they cut it from the movie. And so she decided, well, I want to make a movie with the erotic dance scene. So that's when she decided to do this more direct adaptation of her life. And when she was first pitching the idea to people, one of the executives at MGM, Linda Gottlieb, was like, Wait, you did dirty dancing competitions? Like, that name alone, worth a million dollars. Yeah. It's It's a a great name. It's a perfect name for a movie. Had you seen this movie before? I had not. I also had not. This is the first time I watched it, was tonight, before we recorded. I watched it yesterday. It was really fun. Yeah, it's a good time. It was a lot of fun, and also very sexy. Like, the dancing they do is really good. I think one of the strengths of that, the director, Emil Adelino, 
when he was putting the movie together, he was really insistent that they hire dancers who were also actors. Because a lot of the other 70s, 80s dance movies, things like Flashdance, Saturday Night Fever, used body doubles for dancing. Right. And he was really insistent that they were going to find actors who could do the dancing themselves. And I think that shows in the movie. It does. Because it is Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. And they're great. And you get that sense from the movie. Right. And honestly, one of the biggest tells is how sweaty Patrick Swayze gets in oh, this yeah. movie. You can tell that he is doing the work because he is drenched when he jumps off that stage. This is like Ben-Hur levels of sweat. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, that is commitment. Because there's even a camera cut in that moment where they could have paused, mopped off his sweat, and have him jump again. But no, they kept it. They just let him be sweaty. Maybe they added more. Who's to say? It's a lot. There's so much sweat in this movie. Yeah, because even when they're practicing at one point, he's got that giant, like, U of sweat on his shirt. And it didn't seem like they were working that hard in that moment. So I think they put the U there just to make it seem like they were dancing harder than they were. But it was a scene where it was a scene where it didn't seem as called for. Maybe he's just a really sweaty guy. Might be a sweaty guy. (laughs) Yeah, maybe Patrick Swayze was just very sweaty. Speaking of things that would lead to sweat, got a shout out. Choreography in this movie was done by our man Kenny Ortega. Famous for choreographing the High School Musical series. He also directed all three of them. He directed it too. Yeah. They mostly just mentioned the choreography on Wikipedia. Yeah, well, he's primarily a choreographer. Right. But he also is the, the auteur behind the High School Musical saga. Did you know Jennifer Grey is Joel Grey's daughter? Yeah. I didn't until I was reading about this movie. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't it cool? Yeah. She and Swayze had actually worked together before on Red Dawn. Oh, that movie. They hated each other. Really? They did not get along at all. And originally, the producers had wanted Billy Zane to play Johnny, but apparently his screen test was really bad. So they brought in Swayze, and their screen test was apparently amazing. But they still had, like, kind of a rough time getting along. And there was a point during production where the producers, like, hauled them in and were like, we're showing you your screen test. See, you guys can have chemistry on set. We need you to do this. They do have chemistry in I know. the movie. So they suffered, but that's so weird. Yeah, you really it? don't hear that many stories, if you think about it, about people that don't get along on set. They usually try and cover that stuff up, I think. Right, because it's bad press for the movie. Yeah. When did that come out? I wonder who, like, spilled the beans on that. Yeah, I don't know. Because usually they would just try and pretend. That said, like, the story about, like, bringing them in and showing them the screen test is the kind of, like, epic story that people like telling. It is. So I'm wondering if, like, it leaked out and that was the way they tried to make it in their favor or if they released it to build buzz. Maybe. Who knows? Um... I want to talk about this movie as an artifact of a very specific time. Okay. So this movie comes out in 1987. It comes out August 21st, 1987. It was made for like five and a half million dollars at a time when the average film budget is 12 million. So it's made for not a lot of money. Yeah. It made $63 million. It's a huge hit. It's the Mm. number 11 movie for 1987. Now they had to like do some workarounds to keep the budget that low. Like they shot a lot in Virginia and North Carolina because they're right to work states. Mm-hmm. So they could use non-union crews. Ugh. Yeah. But here's the thing. This was one of the first movies released by a studio called Vestron Pictures. What a name. So Vestron Pictures is a spinoff of Vestron Video, which was a company that made and distributed VHS tapes. That was their business. And they started a film distribution division in 1986 because they figured they could save money by selling movies they'd made themselves instead of buying the home video rights to other studios' movies. How did that work out for them? Well, they don't exist anymore. (laughs) So there's the answer to that question. Yeah, they were gone by the early 90s. I think they lasted until about 92, 93. But it created this movie and then like a bunch of B genre films. Mm -hmm. So this is really at the beginning of their runs and it's this huge hit. The movie itself had originally been at MGM where Linda Gottlieb picked it up, but it sat in development hell there for years because she couldn't get any male executives to have any interest in it. And so then when they eventually put it in turnaround, she herself started shopping it around and pushing for people to produce it. But it's just this weird, strange movie that kind of exists because of the home video market. Right, because it was the biggest home video movie uh, when it came out. Oh, yeah, it was the first movie to ever sell more than a million copies for home video. Yeah, people 
love this movie. And it was a big rental one, too. Right. And, of course, Vestron knew how to use the infrastructure to get that done because they were a VHS company. So their idea was successful for one movie. One movie. And they could never recreate it. And now I think Lionsgate owns the rights to the movie. I think so, yeah. They did try to do some other things to bring the cost down. They had a sponsorship deal with Clearasil because they figured a lot of teenagers would go to see the movie. And then teenagers would be like, ah, yes, Clearasil. Clear up my acne. Wow, Jennifer Grey has really clear skin. I wish I could get that. Well, the thing is, the sponsorship deal was dropped because the executives at Clearasil demanded that the abortion scene be cut. Of course they did. And Vestron didn't go along with that, so there's no Clearasil sponsorship. And then the movie, the other thing that happened was it was originally rated R, and so they had to cut an extended dance scene with Jennifer Grey and her bra, and they cut her nude scene, which was originally in the movie, to get it down eventually to PG-13. I am not that surprised there would have been a nude scene in this movie. Kind of makes sense. It definitely would have fit. It would not have come as a surprise to me if it happened. No, not really. The only surprise would be if there was a nude scene of Patrick Swayze, too. That would have been interesting. It would have been very interesting. This movie would not be as good without the abortion scene, though. No, it's also key to making the movie work. Right. That's the only reason that baby starts dancing. Right. I mean, I guess they could have added some other reason. You could, like, break her leg or something. But, no, it's really, like, it's really well done. Surprisingly interesting, sensitive complicated but simple telling of an abortion story without it being a like moralistic don't do this yeah i was really interested in the way they do it because that's not a word they ever say no nor do they ever even refer to penny as being pregnant yes they just say like she's in trouble which frankly is the way that a lot of people would have talked about it in the early 60s right i feel like that is she's in trouble she's gonna go see a doctor yeah i feel like that is accurate to the experience, in a way. Yeah, I thought it was a really, really interesting portrayal. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Because it's not the main thing. Right, it's, it's, not, not, a, it's not a movie about it from one perspective or another. Right. It's, it's just somebody, a, a side character, but dealing with these yeah. issues. And it's about her getting healthy and maintaining the ability to have kids. That's the focus. Is like making sure the mother stays healthy and it's all focused on the mother's health and experience. Which is just something you don't really see as often. It's rare to see a wide-release movie deal with this so thoughtfully. Right. There's Juno, but that is also handled in a very interesting way. I have not seen Juno. I'd recommend it. I liked Juno. I liked Diablo Cody, though, as you saw, with Tully making my top ten and, like, no one else's. Right. So we're talking around a lot of things. Um, like I said, I think Dirty Dancing is interesting because as much as it's set in the 60s, both its style, like you brought up, and also its process of being created is just the ultimate 80s story. I can't believe that whole Vestron thing. That's hilarious. Isn't it? And so I had done all this research before I watched the movie, and I turned on the DVD, and the Vestron logo was still on it. And I was like, yeah, Vestron! You did it. You got one. You live on, even though you literally don't. Your name still lives. We will honor your legacy. This is also a very classic DVD. It said, DVD introduction with Jennifer Grey was an option. Yeah. Um. All right, should we move on? Yeah. I think we should start the points. So every episode, we break down the romance in the movie into five points. And then, you know, we focus on that romance. We don't talk about anything else. We never veer from our topic. We have never gone off topic on this show. We have not once ever discussed anything in the movie except for the romance. And if we did, then we would just pop in a car with a door that opened upwards. And we would hop back to before and we would fix it so it had never happened. We're never watching an 80s movie again. It's the best! (laughs) It is never happening again. Even in Madagascar, I defy you to find us veering off the topic of romance in that episode. (laughs) I mean, we were never on the topic of romance in that episode. (laughs) That movie, man. All right. So, point number one in this. As context, Jennifer Grey plays Baby, and it's the summer of 1963, before Kennedy gets assassinated. As we're told in the opening narration. Yeah, the opening narration was really interesting. Uh, The best line in that is when she says, I thought I'd never find a guy as great as my dad. And I guess she does. Yeah, that's her bar. So it's her Her family. is a good dude. He is, yeah. Her family is going to a friend of their family's resort for the summer. It's called Kellerman's. Kellerman's Resort. And so they're going to A cruise ship on land. (laughs) 
I like imagining literally like a beached cruise ship. Yeah. That all the stuff is still running. It's just on land. Yeah. So like those dudes who build Noah's Arks in the middle of the countryside. Oh my god, we have to go to one. There's one in Western Maryland that has been allegedly under construction for like 20 years, but hasn't had any progress in like 12. (laughs) But I love driving past it. (laughs) Sounds about right. So it's a resort in the Catskills. So there's a lake. They do a lot of activities like Dancing, bingo. Dancing. It's very, you know. Believe it or not, there's dancing at this camp. Yeah. And so the Which fir- we find out like immediately. We're- yeah, like the first activity we see is a bunch of people on a gazebo dancing. And they're all standing way too close to each other. There is more space in that gazebo. They could have spread out. Well, nothing good ever happens in a gazebo. You also get the great line, God wouldn't have given you maracas if he didn't want you to shake them. That is what the instructor tells all the women in the class. I think I totally missed that line. Yeah, I think you did because she's dancing and they're doing, well, I can't remember what dance they're doing, but the instructor says, ladies, God wouldn't have given you maracas if he didn't want you to shake them and then does a shimmy as she walks by the camera. Wow. That was in that moment. I was like, I'm on board. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of the deal with the camp. Um, We, at one point, we see Baby wandering around the camp, and she hears the owner giving directions to please all the customers, including show their daughters a good time, but not too good a time, but even the dogs. Flirt with them all, doesn't matter if they look good. And then he turns to uh, Patrick Swayze and very angrily says, like, keep your hands off everyone outside the dance lessons. Yeah, there's a very clear distinction between some of the waiters and the staff that interacts more directly with the customers who they hire from Harvard and Yale to work there for the summer. And they are all, you know, supposed to be the upstanding people. And then there's the staff that are on the lower end who are like more temporary workers over the summer and are kind of treated like garbage. There's a lot of strong class elements in this movie. Yeah. And for some reason, the dance instructor falls there where they're all, the dance instructors are treated like human garbage. Because they're not hired out of the universities. They're just artists who they pick up. Yeah. It's very much like, oh, you artists. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting elements of like class in this movie too. Yeah, for sure. So our first point is when Baby and Johnny first meet. So one of the first nights, maybe the first night, there's a big dance on the cruise ship, and Baby sees Johnny dancing with Penny, who is the lady dancing instructor. Right. Who is his platonic friend. And I saw that, and I was like, oh, it's cool that he has a female friend. And and I was like, oh, she's probably going to be some, like, jealous competition for the love interest, because obviously men and women can't be friends. But no, they're they're just just friends. friends. Yeah. It's a movie where there is a very healthy platonic relationship between a man and a woman. It's a really good relationship. It is. They're very supportive of each other. They take care of each other. They take care of each other. They definitely, you know, want to see each other succeed. Yeah. But they're just friends. And there's no, like jealousy element between the two women there's no cat fighting or anything like that stuff i was really expecting this movie to fall into i was really impressed with that yeah so So they're dancing and baby's like wow that dancing is really cool that's not like the boring old people dancing i've been doing what the heck and so she starts like wandering around and she sneaks her way into the staff quarters right she sees a guy struggling to hold two watermelons and offers to carry one for him these are like giant they're watermelons really they're watermelons. enormous they're like the size of my torso yeah so he is like no i can't let you do that uh you can't come back here there's like can you keep a secret and then gives her one of the watermelons because he's struggling to carry them yeah, so they go in, and she's just amazed by the dancing she's seeing here, right. which is totally different. And it looks fun. It looks like a great time. Yeah, so it's just a bunch of young staff members dancing with each other, having a great time. She looks super uncomfortable. She yeah. holds the watermelon very protectively in front of herself. Yeah, she's very much out of her element now. She's from the like upper crust, snooty society and hasn't seen people dancing like this before. Yeah, and... When she's invited to dance, the first several times she refuses. Right. And then uh, it's Johnny's cousin who she walked over with. Mm-hmm. So he introduces her to Johnny and her first words to him, which I really liked are, I carried a watermelon. <laughs> That's the first thing that baby says to Johnny in this movie. It's so funny. Um, but so they meet and they talk a little bit about the dancing. She's really impressed with his dancing. And he's a big old piece of poop. Yep. He's a big turd. Part of it is because he's so used to being treated like crap by 
people at the resort and by the right. staff and by the ownership that he's like, what do I need? Like another person here ogling me who isn't really going to care about me. Right. So he's very like, I'm much... glad you're interested in my dancing, but not in my personhood. Yeah. So he's very much over it with all of the patrons of the hotel. Yeah. Meanwhile, Baby is really surprised to find out that he and Penny aren't dating as they dance amazingly through this party. Yeah. They definitely know each other well and they are good dance partners. Yeah. Now over the course of the summer, There's a bunch of stuff going on. Baby is being heavily courted by Lonnie Price, who is the son of the owner of Kellerman's, Old Man Kellerman. Son or grandson. And he is in school for hotel management. He's going to take over the business. He's definitely taking on more of a leadership role in the summer. This was a real problem for me because he's a huge jerk, but I just love Lonnie Price so much. I just kept thinking of him in Muppets Take Manhattan as the like little guy who's so excited to put on Kermit's play. At first, when he was like... He was, you know, just the nerdy guy and they're dancing together because they're kind of trying to get matched up by Kellerman and her dad, who are friends. They're dancing and I'm like, oh, he's, you know, a little nerdy, but he doesn't seem that bad. And then, like, five minutes later, I was like, nope, he's the worst. He's a terrible person. He is horrible. He's, like, trying to seem really wise and mysterious, but he's also, like, bragging about owning hotels. And those things don't go hand in hand. No, it's... You can't be a man of mystery and manage Kellerman's. And he also disappears just long enough that you forget about him. And then he shows up. (laughs) And he shows up. And when he shows up again and is like really like kind of harassing Johnny, he's the worst. Yeah. It's so funny how well they time his appearances. Because every time I'm just like, I've totally forgotten about him. I'm only focused on Johnny and baby. And then all of a sudden he's back. And I'm like, oh, right. This asshole. Lonnie Price, I like you, but ugh. Yeah, I didn't suffer from that. I was just like, oh, this asshole. Well, my problem was that at first I was just like, he reminds me of Lonnie Price, but I'm sure it's not him. And then I finally looked it up and I was like, this is what's happening. So to get us to point two. Oh, the other thing that's going on. Yes. Is Robbie. We're seeing some interactions oh, with yeah. Robbie in here. And at one point, Baby is chatting with Ronnie in an incredible scene. Baby is chatting with Ronnie, Robbie. And at this point, she has learned that Penny, the female dancer, is... Pregnant. Correct. And it is Robbie's baby. And it's Robbie's baby. And baby's like, Robbie's a good guy. I've met him. Like, I'm sure he'll be fine. And so she goes to Robbie. Robbie is courting her sister. Right. So he's been nice around her. So she's like, I'll go to Robbie. And she's trying to talk to Robbie. And Robbie's like, no, I'm not going to do anything about it. Like, she was probably sleeping around with lots of guys. It's not mine. He's just being a huge jerk about it. And finally, he goes, some people count and some people don't. And he, while working as a waiter, actually bussing tables, whips out a cop like flips it out yeah a copy of the fountainhead out of his pocket and advises her to read it to understand and i love that there's this randy and put down built into the movie where he's a jerk he's selfish and he carries that book around with him at all times yeah so then baby dumps a full pitcher of water onto him and says basically do the right thing or i'll get you fired to remind him that he is still just a waiter robbie's the worst robbie is the worst baby is the best She's great. So that takes us to point number two. When, because Penny is pregnant, the only time she can see this doctor. Yeah, so they find a doctor. And... Willing to help, as they put it. The only time that can happen is a day that she and Johnny are supposed to do a show at another hotel nearby. Right. So, for some reason, Baby is decided... To be the replacement. Well, they walk through why it has to be her. Because nobody else has the time to learn all the dances. Because everyone else also has work to do. Yeah, they have jobs. And then other people, they don't want to tell about Penny's situation. Right. So, Baby is in this position where she knows and she has the free time. It makes sense, but at the same time, this is a very complicated way to get Baby into dance lessons. (laughs) Right. It's like, (laughs) you can feel the movie being like, alright, we gotta get here. Because Eleanor Bergstein was a dancer when she got to her camp in the Catskills. Yeah. We gotta get baby there. So, alright, we're gonna have this girl be pregnant, and then the doctor's only there one day. I know, it's so convoluted. But it never feels that way watching the movie. But it never feels that way. It's only now that I'm realizing how insane it is, when it could also just be, baby decides to take dance lessons from this guy. But then there's, you can't really get the full anger class element stuff going into it right because that would be then the relationship would be baby as a customer right so it makes sense and it works in the movie but now thinking about it i'm just like 
That is a very long route to get to their goal. Well, it takes a surprisingly long time into the movie before this happens. We're like 40 minutes into the movie now. You get a lot of dancing, but the dancing lessons don't really start for a while. Right. I was surprised by that. Yeah. And so the second point is kind of long. They're uh, learning to dance. He's still mean to her at first. He's kind of a jerk. She's also like having a, a rough time she's getting the hang of it. She rough has no rhythm. And so he's like trying to teach her beat. She finally starts getting it when he holds her hand over his heart. Yeah. And I will say my biggest issue with this movie is they probably could have thrown in a bit more scenes of him being nice before we're supposed to buy that they're like developing feelings for each other. We get that he's a person who cares about people close to him, but not that he's nice. Right. And he isn't really demonstrating that he cares about baby for a time where I was like buying into it, where they have that scene with the log and the water and it's like kind of fun, but Even after that, he's still a little cold towards her. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're also supposed to be believing that their feelings are bubbling up. So part of the problem there is that Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze don't get along. Yeah, that might be it. So the part where they're practicing to like her standing in front of him and he's trailing his arm down her side. Yeah. And she keeps laughing. Yeah. Not part of the script. Really? That was, they kept doing that shot over and over again, and Jennifer Grey kept laughing every time, and Patrick Swayze was really annoyed by it because he just wanted to move on, and they did not get along. And so you can see him, two of the times they show that, just like rolling his eyes and looking really frustrated. Yeah. In his brain, that was not a cut that was going into the movie. I, I mean, I was watching, and I was like, as someone who is also very ticklish, I felt a lot of sympathy for Jennifer Grey. So that was another thing that I read about before I watched the movie. And then I was watching it and I was like, oh, but it does play so well. It plays really well. Because he's like slowly caressing his hand down her arm onto her side. So he brushes her armpit and clearly Jennifer Grey is just really ticklish in her armpit and loses it. It's very funny. It's, It's great. And so then this brings us to their first performance, which is at another hotel. And it's kind of hilarious how bad it is. Yeah. It's like there are scenes that are really working and then other times she's just like, do-do-do-do-do, waving her hands in front of her body and not doing anything else. The whole idea is they go to do the dance, but she really is not ready to do it. Right. And he's pretty nice about it. He's like, you know, you did pretty well. Yeah. And so the most noticeable thing is they are set up for a leap and then she just doesn't do it. My favorite thing about that, so she's supposed to run up to him and jump and they have the lift. And... Lift, that's the word. She runs up to him and then stops and then turns around and stands in front of him and just kind of boogies waving her thumbs back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a dance move i'm very familiar with yeah it's like thumb to the right thumb to the left right left right left thumbing in the beat yeah he's nice enough about it because this we're now at a point where they are getting along better and they're having fun dancing with each other and they're bonding before this happens though you like while they're getting ready you get a uh, penny being much nicer to baby and mm-hmm. really appreciating all the help that baby has given her penny helps with the nice. dance lessons yeah penny was definitely involved there's a scene where penny and baby were dancing with each other and i was just like what if we didn't have patrick swayze in this movie <laughs> and it was just about baby and penny that would and also I be a good movie really into that idea hollywood hit me up we'll work on that i mean there have already been so many dirty dancing remakes i know but there's the any of- show with melora harden in the late 80s on CBS. Then there's Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, the movie in 2004. And then there's a story uh, credit by Peter Sagal of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Really? <laughs> yep. Oh my he God. wrote it not as a Dirty Dancing movie and has said that the movie that got made is almost nothing like the one he wrote. And, and then, then there's the musical. Yeah, Broadway. Well, it's, I think it started in Australia. Yeah. And then that got turned into a live musical on ABC that was apparently very bad. Oh, I'm sure. I think, like, Bruce Greenwood was her, was her, the dad, and, like, Abigail Breslin was the girl. The musical was apparently mixed reviews critics, but it was hugely successful money-wise. It was massively successful. Yeah. Worth noting, actually, I didn't mention this last episode. In our long string of everything we watch has been made into a musical, Ella Enchanted, also a musical. Oh, God. I think that's mostly based on the book, though. But in that list, did we mention lesbians for the Dirty Dancing remake? There's been no Dirty Dancing where Patrick Swayze's character is just gone. That's true. That's true. So uh, time to get on that. Yeah, time to get on that. Not before this gender flip splash, though. I'm still mostly interested in that. Yeah. All right. Hollywood, finish that first. Please. All right. So after the performance. They drive back. They drive is back. Is he watching her in the mirror when she's changing in the car? I can't really tell. It's unclear. Yeah. 
Um, they get back to her, like, what, do they fight again before they bone? So what happens is they get back and they go first to check in on Penny. Right. And the procedure has been a disaster. Yeah, so she's bleeding. So Baby goes to get her dad, who is a doctor, to help. Right. He does. Yeah. Good guy. He's great. No questions asked. Immediately gets to work. Doesn't, like... Doesn't give Penny a hard time at all. Right. Is very nice to Penny. But he's really mad that Baby's been wrapped up in all this. Right. He's mad at Baby for getting involved. He's mad because he thinks that Johnny is the father that put her up to this. Right. And so he forbids her having anything to do with the staff. Right. And also, the way the abortion was paid for is Baby saying that she needs to borrow the money from her dad without telling him why. And then he obviously figures out what the money was for. Right. So he says, have nothing to do with the staff. And then Baby leaves and goes to Johnny's room. Right. They go to Johnny's room and she says the line, something like, I don't want to leave here and never feel this way again in the rest of my life. It's very romantic. They have this whole heart-to-heart about, like, are their lives meaningful? He's like, your dad just, like, saved her, did amazing things. Like, I'm just a dancer. I don't do anything for people. And she's like, you're amazing. I love to dance. (laughs) And then they start, like, making out. There's a lot of, like, dragging hands along butts. Yeah, there's There's a a lot lot of butt action. Butt touching. This is very much a dance as choreographed by Tina Belcher (laughs) as a good choreographer. That's Kenny Ortega. You know, one nice thing I just remembered about the dad is they even show him checking up on Penny later. Right, continue. he's a good guy. He is a great doctor. He's very protective of baby. Yes. Well, I get it. Arguably fair. Yeah. His understanding of what is going on is a dicey situation. Right. Because baby has not told him anything. Really. Yeah. So right now he thinks that baby is romantically involved with a man who literally just paid for a, or like just forced his ex to get a botched abortion. Right. So I understand he's making valid calls about his kid who has not yet started college. Yeah. So it makes sense where he's coming from. And he definitely could listen to his daughter more. He does not give her a chance to explain the situation when she tries. True. But, you know, he's really a believable, not villain villain for a movie where you're like, there is someone that is rooting against them. He's a source of conflict, but he's not a villain. That's the word. That's like how I'm looking to phrase it. No, I thought they did a good job with the dad. Yeah, he's great. So that then takes us to point number three. Oh, wait, we forgot to explicitly mention they bone. Oh, yeah, they have sex, Uh, which takes us to point number three. How you call your lover boy? Come here, lover boy. And if he doesn't answer? Oh, lover boy. Penny is now annoyed at Johnny. She's like, you keep telling me not to get mixed up with the guests, not to get attached to them. And he's like, I don't care. She's the one. Yeah. And so, like, they're continuing to have sex. She asks him if he's had a lot of women, and he gets annoyed. He's, like, talking about how, basically, he's used for his body. Yeah. Women at the resort are always like, here, like, why don't you come by to my room? And at first, he thought that they were actually into him, but then he realized they just, like, wanted him for sex. Right. And... The nerdy, the hotel guy, what's his name? Lonnie Price keeps showing up and being annoying. And then one of my favorite lines happens around this. Um, Baby has tried to stop her sister Sally from sleeping with Robbie. Is that her name? Her name's Lisa. Lisa. I don't know where I got Sally from. Is trying to stop Lisa from sleeping with Robbie. And so they're in a fight and... Lisa's really enjoying the fact that for the first time, she's the favorite. She seems to kind of resent Baby for having a better relationship with her father. Right, and right now, Baby and her dad are not having a great relationship. So this gives us one of my favorite lines of the movie, where Baby is watching them walk by while hiding Johnny, because, you know, she is forbidden from seeing Johnny. And you hear Lisa walking past with her dad, and she says, You know, I've been reading about domino theory. And do you think that if Vietnam falls, China will fall too? And I really started laughing because, if you don't know, China fell in 1949, and this movie is set in 1963. Unless Lisa is like a hardcore State Department line, and by China, she means Taiwan. There's a chance, but... You know, I feel like with the domino theory in Vietnam, it would make more sense to talk about Laos or Cambodia or... I mean, eventually the dominoes are going to fall all around the world. It'll be like that scene from the movie Robots, where there's the giant room full of a domino setup. Sure. Have you seen Robots? Oh my god, that movie. Yeah! Yeah, Wow, that's a movie that exists. With Ewan McGregor as a robot. Is that DreamWorks? And Robin Williams as another robot. No, it's Blue Sky. It's the people who made Ice Age. Yeah. 
Wow. I remember that What movie. a film. What a film. Robin Williams. Robot. <laughs> we should watch that again. <laughs> There's a romance in that one. There is. Yeah, more than Madagascar for sure. Yeah, that is a low, low bar. bar. <laughs> so this is also when the crawling scene happens. I really enjoy this movie because I feel like in a lot of movies like this where having sex for the first time is a big deal. They just have it once and it's never really mentioned again except for the emotional fallout. But in this, they continue to have sex like a normal couple. Pretty regularly. Yeah, pretty regularly. But so there's that scene where they're crawling and lip syncing and just having a great time. Yes, that one that almost everyone in the entire world probably knows. It's pretty great. It, it is really great. And watching it in context was really fun. Yeah. And then it gets interrupted by Lonnie Price. Yes. Who and is really surprised. He's like, oh, baby, like, you know, I could have given you dance lessons. And he starts doing, like, the most boring white people dancing. Yes. And so then he says, he's talking to Johnny and is like, you know, for the end of season talent show, I want to do something more fun this year. Johnny's really excited. Because Johnny always ends the talent show with a dance. And it's and usually Mambo. Right. He starts launching it about how he wants to bring in, like, a lot of these newer styles of dance. Yeah. Newer music. Nice and fun. But then, Lonnie Price is just like, oh, no, no, no. I just mean Pachanga, which, no idea what that is. <laughs> it's, but Johnny is very displeased. Yes. So that takes us then to point number four. Which is something we've partially talked about already. Johnny and... Baby are still hanging out, having a great time, and they're walking along, and they see Lisa and Baby's dad, and also Robbie, all walking along together, having this jolly good time, talking about domino theory, and Baby ducks down and pulls Johnny down with her, so that her dad won't see her with Johnny. Right. And then Johnny gets mad because it's like, oh, you're, you know, having sex with me, but you still think you're better than me and you won't tell your family about me. And like, I don't think you ever intended to. Right. You never intended to actually, you know, treat me like a serious human. And, and so he is really upset with her and they're in this kind of frosty relationship. But meanwhile, he's also refusing to engage with any of the regular guests who are usually taking advantage of him yeah so he's definitely kind of just in general grumpy hanging out with penny we see yeah and at one point johnny tries to talk to baby's dad but baby's dad just rebuffs him makes it clear that he thinks johnny and penny had been together and finally johnny is just like i've had it he kisses baby goodbye and drives off no he's fired first Oh, right. Lonnie Price fires him. Yeah, he's accused of stealing people's wallets. Right. But baby is like, it can't have been him. And he's like, oh, he doesn't have an alibi. And the baby's like... He just said he was reading alone in his room all night. Please, like anybody reads. Like that peasant, that dancer boy who flounces his way around the camp. Like he's ever read a book. He doesn't know a cat from a hat. And certainly not a fox from a sock. So that baby does admit like, oh, we were together. And so instead of getting fired for stealing the wallets, he's fired for being with a client or right. like a patron of the hotel. And, and Lonnie Price has a real fun time firing him. Yeah. Because he's a jerk. So but this brings us to now they're separated. And this brings us to point number five. Which is this talent show that ends the summer at Kellerman's. Yes. The dad actually tries to go home before it, and Lisa and the mom are like, please, of course we're going to the talent show. It's going to be a great time. performing in the talent show. Right. Lisa, <laughs> I love that she wanted to audition to sing I Feel Pretty in it in 1963, which feels like the equivalent of, like, a girl auditioning for a talent show with Wicked in 2005. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's the mega hit that everyone is a little bit tired of hearing? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And so my... Favorite part of this talent, not, you know, the real part is good, but the fact that they have written an original song that they close out the talent show with. I love this so much. And it went on for so long. It wasn't like they just wrote one chorus and a verse, like one verse and a chorus for this song about Kellerman's resort. At Kellerman's, the friendships last long as the mountains stand. There's like a two plus full minutes with this song in the background. I love it so much. It reminds me of the Boy Scout camp that I went to, and the larger camp was subdivided into smaller camps, and the 
camp that my group always went to uh, was called Camp Freedom. And it would end every summer at this like campfire where like people would put on like skits and like goofy stuff like that. Some people would do musical performances. And the staff would always end it with the Camp Freedom song. <laughs> oh, God. Which was like about the same level of musical quality as this one. It's so bad. But then while they're singing it, Johnny comes back. What? And he comes up and he interrupts. Takes the microphone. Well, before he does that, he goes up to the table where Baby and her family are sitting. Oh, right. He gets her first and then goes on stage. He says, nobody puts Baby in the corner. A line that was very anticlimactic. It was much more subdued than I expected. Yeah, it was much more subdued. He literally just walks up and says, nobody puts Baby in a corner. Come with me. Which is actually kind of great. Like, if it had been a big, like, declaration, I would have been like, this is dumb. But it just comes up being him very honest. Yeah. Come on, get on the front of the stage where you belong. Right. Also, Corner looked pretty comfortable because she, like, had nice two walls to lean against. Yeah. <laughs> um, Very safe. No one can sneak up behind you and, like, yeah. murder you. So they go I on I feel like stage. there's a lot of murder happening at Kellerman's. That should be a movie. Murder at Kellerman's. It's the same vibe, the same camp setup, but it's a murder mystery, and they bring in, like, a Poirot equivalent. Love it. It's kind of a great idea. I mean, that's a lot of Agatha Christie's is resorts like this and in Britain. Also a lot of murder she wrote. Yeah. So he gets on stage, takes the microphone, they stop the music, and is just like, I always do the last dance. I always do the last dance, but I've been fired, so I'm going to do something that I want to do. And then they dance. And he also says that he's dedicating it to Baby, who taught him how to be the kind of person he wants to be. Yeah. To, like, go out and pursue what the right thing is, even if it seems hard. That, like, Baby put herself at risk in a way, like, getting her dad to help out. She constantly put her neck on the line, or at least her confidence. Like, when she went and did the dance, she was willing to risk things to help other people. Right. So he's just, like, she proved that people can be good. And now we dance. And this is when you get the famous dance to I've Had the Time of My Life. <laughs> so I was Academy Award winning song. Right. They won the Oscar for this song. Um... According to a 2007 BBC story, it is the third most popular funeral song in the UK. And it's worth noting, of course, this is like the centerpiece of the Dirty Dancing album. I was reading the IMDb facts for this movie, which is always a mix of like really interesting stuff and really dumb stuff. Right. One of the IMDb facts for this movie was all of the songs are from the period in which the movie was set, except for I've Had the Time of My Life. And we're like, yeah, no kidding. It was written for the movie. Yeah. Oh my God. But it frames it as just like, except for I've Had the Time of My Life, which was written in 1987. (laughs) No, duh. Yeah. But they had to have one song to win the Oscar. That album spent 18 weeks at number one on the Billboard Top 200. It created like a revival of this kind of music. Right. A lot of the other songs that were in the movie suddenly became chart toppers again. Yeah. And this was such a hit that, so there was the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. They then released a secondary collection of music called More Dirty Dancing. Yeah. This movie was a phenomenon. It was a huge hit. And again, on that $5 million budget from Vestron Video. Yeah. So then they dance together. They get her father's approval. I love that while I've had the time of my life is playing and everybody's dancing, most of the people there are still doing the, like, white people dancing. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, before they even, like, start this, Robbie basically admits on accident, because he assumes he knows, to Baby's father that he was the father of Penny's child. And then that allows Baby's father to accept their relationship and be supportive of his daughter. Right. And he goes up and he says, I admit when I'm wrong. Like, he brings it up. Right. So he apologizes, watches them dance. He, like, at one point when they're getting a little too scandalous, stands up. But then her mom, who's a non-character, is like, sit back down. Yeah. And then her mom says the line, oh, she gets this from my side of the family. And I was just like, you've had no lines this movie. Why are you talking all of a sudden? Uh, She did advocate for them staying for the talent show. She was such a non-character. It was hilarious. It's about baby and the men in her life. It is. But it was so funny that all of a sudden she's just like standing up for her daughter in this last scene. I like Um, it. I liked it too. This movie is good. Yeah, And I like it more for having talked about it. Do you think that the romance between them is believable? I think it's pretty believable. Yeah, I think so. Two sexy people dancing together, all sexy. Yeah. Feelings are gonna bubble up. So where would you rate it on our 10 point scale? Um, I mean, it's no 10. No. So, I don't know, decently high, like a 7? I could probably go higher than that. I could probably give this an 8. Yeah. Yeah. I'd buy an 8. Do you think they're dateable? (sighs) Not for me. I think Baby is dateable. She's nice, passionate, wanting to do good in the world. Yeah, baby probably is. Johnny. Johnny's got a lot of angst. A lot of angst and a lot of sweat. <laughs> um, if you, I'm sure there's like something he could do about the sweat. Did we talk about the sweat on the episode? Or was yes, that we did. Okay. Well, I just wanted both. to make sure. <laughs> We've had a lot of sweat talk today. Yeah. 
All right, if you did have to pick one person to date, who would it be? So the problem with this movie is that I got excited to see so many people that I wouldn't want to date. Like, I got really excited when I saw Wayne Knight. Yeah. Because this is one of his first movie appearances. And I was like, look at you having a blast. And, like, I got excited when I saw Lonnie Price. But I don't want to date any of these people. No. Uh, Maybe Penny. Penny's cool. Yeah. Not, like, I mean, yeah, as you know, I try and find, like, I like to try and pick someone that's not one of the main cast. And there's just not a lot of people. There's not a lot of people outside the main cast. Ooh, the band leader. Oh, he's cool. Yeah. Old guy who tap dances. That's my pick. <laughs> I, I might go with the dad. The dad? This he's is a good cool. choice, too. He is cool. And he's a doctor. Yes. Not a bad a thing. A rich doctor. Yeah. He could take off, like, two I'm happy to swoop in work. there. Um, do you think Johnny and Baby stay together? No. No. She's going to college. There's a summer She's leaving him behind. I think they're both aware of that, too. I think so, too. Like, I always got that vibe, because, like, when he was fired and he was leaving, they weren't like, I'll write to you or something. They both kind of were like, like, this is it. This is it. It was fun while it lasted. So, I think no, and I think they're both aware of that. Which is a big contrast to something like Say Anything. Yeah. Which is also a summer fling, but one that very much sets up, we're going to continue this. Right. I think that's about it for Dirty Dancing. Yeah, I'm glad we watched this. Yeah, me too. We've danced the dirty and... Came out the better for it. <laughs> this was in that pile of DVDs that you picked up. Yeah, there was a bunch of free DVDs. Of course I'm going to take them. Yeah, we got to dig back into those DVD piles. Yeah, bit, Because sure. I've still got, like, Fever Pitch sitting there. <laughs> oh my god, Fever Pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Looking towards next week, though, we're doing a movie that you can all stream on Netflix. If you haven't seen it before, you should. Uh, it's a great movie. It's another high-energy dance movie. Uh, it's Todd Haynes' 2015 mid-century, really, laugh riot, Carol. Oh, my god i died when i read that in the script i was like you are insane okay so carol is none of those things no but it is really good oh it's really good and Kate it's on Bl- netflix watch it yeah Kate blanchett gives an incredible performance i mean frankly like buy the blu-ray watch yeah. it in nice picture but uh it's a if not watch it on movie. netflix it's great until then, of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Last question, Mark. What's the best piece of dating advice you got in this movie? Dance. I was going to say stroke butts, because <laughs> that's most of what they do. Yep. I feel like there's only one real piece of advice in this is just dance. It'll be okay. I don't know what that song is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay. And so between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. looking at me like I should know what you mean and I had no idea.